Nathan, are we both low energy? We're both <laughs> we low both energy. <laughs> that the other will carry. Carry, carry me. Us. And when we're there, there was no footsteps on the sand, that was when we were carrying each other. <laughs> That's when we were both taking a nap. It was two bodies, two body prints in the sand. <laughs> Oh, you're a William Blake fan? Name his first three albums. It's Think Outside the Box set. <laughs> I'm noted U2 anti-stand Nathan Hunt. And I'm Cameron DeWitt, a simp for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Simply charming. Um, yeah, so this is... Uh, I mean, this is, I forget which season 23 or 23, 23. Yeah. Episode I nailed four, it. I yes. believe. Um, and Cameron suggested we talk about you two tonight. And we, yeah, discussed- that was in our artist sub- mm. uh, submissions somewhere right. in there. Yeah. And we had talked about it years ago and I think I had vetoed it for doing a whole season on because I have listened to several U two albums, like pretty extensively. Um, so I was like, you know, I probably too familiar with them to really, yeah, discuss them on their own merits. But if I if I remember right, you said oh that the reason you didn't want to do it is because of how much you disliked them. <laughs> maybe that's specifically, what I said. and that you couldn't stand doing it. Uh, I think you said that you you were maybe a little bit familiar, too familiar with it, but that the main reason was how much you can't. Uh, you still haven't found what you're looking for, U two wise, which is a U two album that you can stand listening to. Uh, I mean, I I kind of have a soft, soft spot in my in my heart for all that you can't leave behind. The one that came out in two thousand. Okay. Um, it's I a beautiful. I day. haven't listened to that. Yeah. Um, Interesting. That yeah. that was. I feel like that's when people started to turn on you too. Really, that album was huge though. Beautiful day. No, I think that's why people started to turn on it. Oh, I don't think that happened until their follow up. See the 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 story of you two that I the vertigo, yes, that song is so different. okay. Um, <laughs> that's from How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb from two thousand four. Um, the story of you two that I feel like I have picked up from cultural osmosis and not having really like read books or biographies about you two or even their Wikipedia article um, is that <clears throat> this was a band that started sort of this grimy punky band from Dublin who um, started getting like more poppy and getting more popular and started playing shows with like Duran Duran and stuff, then became absolutely huge near the end of the 80s with uh, Joshua Tree Um, and uh, like hooked up with like uh, Brian Eno and like hanging around with Daniel Lenoir and like um, we're crafting these like soaring and sometimes ambient um songs that people are really responding to um and then they got incredibly weird in the 90s um a couple of their pop, their albums from the 90s are really weird like zuropa or octung baby or pop i think is one mm. of their lowest selling albums. like that was a huge failure uh-huh. and so <laughs> that was 99 i think Hmm. the following year they come out with all that you can't leave behind huge it's the big comeback it's like u2 is back okay they're back to doing what they're good at which is like 
mostly mid-tempo, oftentimes kind of ballady, sort of soaring, sometimes kind of like inspirational in a very vague way. Um, adult contemporary? Adult maybe? contemporary. One yes, thank you. Describe them as? Yeah. Um, absolutely, yeah. Um, like the song, a beautiful, the, you know, beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. Don't yeah. let it get away. Um, well, that's nice. It's Bossy, a nice sentiment. Nice. Pretty lightweight, you might say. Um, yeah, and then the comeback is when I think things started to go really wrong for them. Okay, <laughs> that's when Bono that. got like his head so far up his own ass it started coming out the top of his neck again uh, with like his like rock star ambassador savior global politics um, liberalism type thing and giving the Dalai Lama his sunglasses and etc and like you know product red and deciding he was going to be like an apple commercial also at the same time like yes all that shit like started after the big comeback um so i think in retrospect the comeback ended up being very bad for them <laughs> um yeah and then they had a couple of not very well regarded albums and then this one i feel like i feel like you too or bono specifically that's after that album was when I started to become aware of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like a tween at the time. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's one of the first examples that I saw in real time of what we would now refer to as virtue signaling. Ah, uh, yep. And people were basically uh, accusing him of, um, of, of being giving in a way that was more about his image. Um, yeah. Then, uh, or or selling an a, an image, than the actual good that he was doing, or they were just maybe there wasn't even a specific um, criticism there. It's just like we're tired of this. We don't want to yeah. hear you talk about this. And I don't know anything about what he did. Um. So I, I don't actually know. I don't know if he did any good or if it was all just virtue signaling. I, I seriously don't know. I just know the kind of response to it. Yeah, that's a good point. I think mostly people were just felt very annoyed by him. <laughs> yeah, I don't think um, I don't I don't recall there being a lot of discussion about whether or not he was actually helping hel- helping or anything. They were just like, Ugh, it's so annoying how he's just like self righteously prancing around and like being a do gooder yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Which I guess, sure. is, as you say, like the virtue signaling part of it. Um, that's basically all I remember about it. Uh, yeah, uh, I do. I mean, I seem to remember there being like, I don't know, some like weird liberalism stuff going on. Uh, liberalism in the economic sense. Uh, yeah, you know that predator meme of like the the two hands clasping together. It's yeah. like you know right wing fascists and like leftists, and it's like hating liberals in the middle. Uh, but yeah. they don't necessarily mean the same people for, and definitely not sure. for the same reasons. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the other thing we need to talk about is the U2 to CCM pipeline. Are you aware of this? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm intuitively aware of it. I know that when I listen to this album that we covered today, which we still haven't revealed, we haven't revealed. Uh, it's a secret. Yeah. Uh, a mystery I box thought, wow this makes me feel like i'm back in church yes and as far as i know this is what church music still sounds like i, I mean i haven't checked in a while but um <laughs> me neither 
I assume it probably still is. Yeah. Um, I wonder. I wonder. Um, I wonder if that was another side effect of the big comeback. Um, I also don't know like where it originated. I think. I think definitely part of it is like U2's ambiguous Christianity thing. Um, Christians really like uh, claiming Christians in popular culture. Yes. They like saying, uh, actually, he's a Christian. Yes, um, they do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's saying, definitely like, people. This is one for a win for the Christians. Yes, <laughs> exactly. A lot of people did that to Sufjan until it turned out. Yeah. <laughs> he's actually talking about liking boys. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> now the queers are doing it to him. <laughs> we claim <Yeah>. him. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've definitely heard a lot of like you know rhetoric about like how u2 is like you know is really christian music and i've definitely heard of people who only listen to like stuff from inside the christian uh bubble the christian like in, uh, music industry bubble but make an exception for u2 because they're really yeah. they're really like a christian band making christian music um yeah and they definitely do have some songs that are like pretty explicitly political or not political fuck uh, religious um yeah, but they are definitely like operating outside CCM and, you know, have at times tried provocative things like in the 90s. <laughs> Back in the 90s, uh, Bono had his, I think he was called The Bug. He had this like uh, alter ego. The uh, Bug? I don't know about or this. Or The Fly, maybe? Uh, fly? Ah, it's The Fly. Hmm. Ah, uh, yeah. Here we go. Rolling Stone interview from... Is it undated? Oh, 1993. Here's the, the subheading of the interview. Uh, warped in an alter ego he calls The Fly, Bono has led U2's year-long dive into the glitz and glamour of rock and roll. Okay. Yep. They did... I mean, they were doing wacky stuff in the 90s, and I was here for it. I mean, nobody liked it, but it was fun <laughs> that they were at least, like, trying wacky shit and being weird and stuff. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I remember, like, I remember liking some of those songs from the 90s era as well. Um, oh, here's it. I think I, I got a photo here. Bono the Fly. Come on, load. Load, damn you. Why are you not loading? It mostly just involved bug-like glasses. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, it's not really much of anything. Um, here's a photo. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. I mean, they're very fly-like eyeglasses. Um, yeah. So, oh, my God. He's wearing very high-waisted pants as the fly in this uh, photo that I'm... Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> these photos will be available on our Discord if people want to join up and check them out. Oh, wow. Very high-waisted. Love that. They're so high-waisted. They are mid-rib cage, I want to say. <laughs> They're mere inches from his nipples. The nipple-inch pants. Um, I forget what I was talking about. <laughs> I was just talking about... Sorry to talk about the fly. <laughs> You were talking about things that you liked about uh, YouTube. I don't think I, think I was. I think we were talking about uh, Christian music and how. Oh yeah, CCM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've definitely like done provocative or weird or unsettling things, um, but for the most part, they have been so bland and so like quasi-inspirational, and have had religious leanings that they didn't disguise. That it kind of fits. 
with Christian music. And <clears throat> I don't know when it started or where it started, but like all of the Christian guitarists wanted to play guitar like The Edge. And all worship music started just sounding like U2 songs. Um, yeah. And I think the lyrics became like U2 songs as well. Yeah. Uh, in the, I would say at least the first half of this album, but kind of throughout the whole album. Uh, it has that that quality of contemporary Christian music where it's vague enough that it's inviting you to just sort of project what you need to onto it. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of an empty vessel, Um, but it has little, little words that um, if you, it's sort of like hypnosis, (laughs) <laughs> it's like uh-huh. it's like go on you know how hypnosis is only supposed to work when you kind of consent to it right <clears throat> i've heard that it yeah I it, it kind of feels like that it's like it it's trying to um convince you of something but you have to kind of put your own uh you, you have to consent to it but it's counting on you wanting to consent to it and when i listen to it i don't want to i don't want to either yeah it's kind of a triumph of um very slick poetic bluffs Um, yes yeah there's just such there's like this silicone like slickness to how how effortlessly they like set up these poetic bluffs that you are invited to just take how like attach whatever amount of meaning you need to it to make it seem really deep um we'll get into it as we get into the lyrics but uh yeah it's i was kind of impressed at how slick these lyrics were for meaning absolutely nothing (laughs) having no meaning it 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 was really jarring to me when i think three quarters of the way through the album all of the sudden there's a song where in the first verse there are all of these like specific grounded sensory details mm-hmm. in this song. And I was like, Oh wow. I was just like, I'm paying attention. Tell me more <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> about like the colors and textures of the things in this room. And I was like, this is great. I don't even know what this is about. And I'm all of a sudden very interested because you're uh, using descriptive language to describe a a thing that the body can perceive mm-hmm. sensory details you know i wonder if i wonder if it would be worth revisiting all that you can't leave behind on this show um on a different episode or maybe maybe i just sure. take a quick review right now um but yeah just read all the lyrics real just quick. Read all the lyrics. um i mean I recall the lyrics having more meaning back then, but again, that was 22 years ago and I haven't really revisited since I was much younger. Um, I'd be down for saving as palate cleansers as at some point. You can do it now too, if you want, but like taking an album that we, you know, stand, but maybe haven't thought about in a while and then revisiting and saying like, do we still like this? (laughs) If we were to hear this for the first time, would we Mm -hmm. appreciate it? There's, um, there's some specific. There's some good specifics. In, I'm looking at beautiful day. Yeah, I, I like that idea. By the way, um, I affirm you, and I think that it would be a good palate cleanser. But verse one of beautiful day is the heart is a bloom shoots up through the stony ground. There's no room, no space to rent in this town. 
you're out of luck and the reason that you had to care the traffic is stuck and you're not moving anywhere that's better than the lyrics in the in most of this album yes it's not absolutely amazing it's not jaw-dropping but it's like pretty maybe we should say yeah maybe we should say what album we're covering yes this was your idea you should introduce this um i suggested first i was like let's listen to one of those like weird um like one of the more obscure u2 albums like uh one of the weird 90s ones like i suggested octoon baby but like yeah i guess that is one of the obscure ones um or um the unforgettable fire i remember kind of liking that at some point i don't remember when but i kind of remember thinking that that was the, like their good album from the 80s um uh but then i was like wait a minute wait a minute no 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 what we should cover instead is songs of innocence that's right the william blake reference at the very beginning was a teaser was a little easter egg for y'all songs of innocence uh which they featured which they followed up with songs of experience uh couple years later in a very william blake fashion um i haven't illustrated wow fuck (laughs) oops you you can cut that if you want or you could just leave it in and make me sound like a real ding dong well i have a really cool illustrated edition of songs of innocence and songs of experience uh with illustrations by william blake um which is very cool on that bookshelf back yonder um that sounds that sounds good and, and maybe more interesting than this album. Oh, it's so much more interesting. It's also the uh, the Red Dragon. That's where the Red Dragon comes from. That features so prominently in Hannibal, uh, oh. like, Mythos, like the the movies and the show and everything. Um, in fact, I think they on the show Hannibal they uh, have a lot of visual imagery from Blake about the Red Dragon. Anyway, and a lot of U two record record uh, needle <laughs> drops. Needle drops exactly. Um, yeah, so Songs of Innocence, 2014. And the reason that I wanted to talk about this one was this was the one that was non-consensually shoved into everyone's iPhones with no warning um, uh, in one of the most um, misguided attempts at uh, extremely corporate brand um, engagement style marketing. Uh it's just such a bizarre move. I don't know like whose idea it was. It, I mean, for one thing, Apple must have paid them a shitload of money because yep. like they are clearly missing out on a lot of sales, um, yeah. presumably, by doing this. Um, and uh, I mean, Apple had had this relationship with U2 ever since like the iPod commercials. Um, I think that was when it started. Um, I think... <laughs> I think even Bono actually like referred to this album as like a follow-up or like a sequel to the commercials from a couple of years ago. Those iPod Fine. commercials. Um, I'll see. That if I can was find... the song Vertigo, right? In the commercials, that was in those uh, commercials. Yeah, yeah. Uno um, dos tres catorce. <laughs> yep, they had U two like commemorative like editions of iPods. What the fuck? Oh <laughs> what the actual fuck? Um, yeah, weird relationship between Apple and U2. Um, yeah, so Apple must have paid them a bunch of money. U2, I don't know. I guess they just like went along with it. And I don't know whose idea it was to be like, hey, let's just give it to everyone on, with an iTunes account. But that's what they did. And uh, Bono was apparently not aware that if you do that, uh, lots of people have it set up on their iTunes accounts that when you get new music, it automatically uh, downloads to your iPhone which includes music that's given to you, including stuff that is 
you know, with no warning foisted upon you by the world's largest corporation. And so all of a sudden people just woke up one day and there was a new YouTube album on their phone. And uh, that's that's a no good, boss, is what I say to that. <laughs> as, as Zeppo Marx would say. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so funny to think about. Like how how f- absolutely full of yourself and you, you must be a band must be mm-hmm. to to think that and and how like it's crazy to think of how many yes men you know would have had to like okay that decision right it's really bizarre yes it is i'm looking in my uh apple now it's apple music which somehow managed to be even worse than itunes um looking at it right now i don't think i have you too listed here um i wonder if 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 i look it up on the uh do they still have a music store anymore what the fuck if i look it up on um their music store is it still available to download for free uh-huh <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna see if i can if i can fucking figure out how to get to the goddamn music store apple you are fucking up come on um unless i hit it i might have hit it on purpose i think there's a, some setting where you can like hide this store <laughs> Uh, but the the funny thing about the U2, the album, yeah, it is it is like bonkers to be so full of yourself. I mean, in theory, it's like a nice gesture to be like, hey, we're giving it away for free. But I think you'd have to come up with some sort of like exception to the rules that automatically pushes it out to people's phones. Um, yeah. It, ha- it, it had to have been opt-in, obviously. Um, and they didn't. Uh, but the exception that they did make was they uh they set up a very special web page that you could go to and remove it from your account there's a custom like one-off <laughs> web page that they had to make to like contain this pr it's disaster like, if you have to do that that's so bad <laughs> it's very bad like you that, shouldn't <laughs> that's uh maybe a sign that you probably did something bad <laughs> uh here we go i'm on the itunes store page uh songs of innocence it's only showing the deluxe edition. Oh, it says play. I could play it right now. Okay. Although it shows that. Please don't. It says play for the other one, too, that I didn't have given to me. Huh. Okay. I don't know. Anywho. Well, the whole, the whole like, concept of music being free or not, you know, to download is just totally different now and yes. than it was even back then. So. True, true that. Yeah, I mean, I listen to those on Spotify. Which uh, well, should we should we start talking about songs? I guess so. Okay, um, <laughs> we'll see how many we actually get through. <laughs> yep, let's talk about um, stalling a little bit more, so I can put in the sound samples that I forgot to uh, add to, um, shall we say, um, the uh, soundboard. Uh, it's called The Miracle of Joey Ramone, though. <laughs> There's a lot of weird parentheticals in these song titles. Here we go. This is a bit of an edgy song for uh, the main demographic of U2 listeners. 
uh, people who think mayonnaise is too spicy. Um, like this would not be a church song. It's too stomp. It's got too many of those uh, drums in them. Uh, which, side note, a lot of uh, a lot of Christian rhetoric um, that I have seen uh, has talked about the jungle rhythms of rock and roll and how uh, yeah. they're pagan and um, deeply racist. So. Uh, uh, one, a, a relative of mine once uh, told me to my face that, uh, yeah, that that like rap music was was uh, satanic because of the the drum rhythms. Uh, oh boy! And uh, I was like, "Do you think that black gospel music is satanic?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of. They they kind of have a lot of rhythmic similarities because they're both black music. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. didn't anyway. really have a response for that. You got him, Cam. Um, anyway, so back to what this song is. It's called "The Miracle of Joey Ramone," and it's uh, it features some. If you can believe it, it features some boomers reminiscing about a hero of theirs from the past, uh, who they saw yeah. as like a titan of um, rebelliousness and. Uh, sort of a there's a lot of cathexis imbuing them with this emotional charge and looking up to them and being like this is our Beatles or probably they probably said something dumb like that um but yes let's take a look at these lyrics um I was chasing down the days of fear chasing down a dream before it disappeared I was aching to be somewhere near your voice was all I heard I was shaking from a storm in me Haunted by the specters that we had to see. Yeah, I wanted to be the melody above the noise, above the hurt. Pre-chorus. I was young, not dumb, but full of cum. Just wishing to be... Bl- oh, wait. I think I added something there. <laughs> just, <laughs> just wishing to be blinded by you, brand new, and we were pilgrims on our way. Um, so that's... I mean... Is it... Cameron, is it ableist to say that that is word salad? Uh... I don't know. I think your attitude is real, like glass half empty mm. of cum. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was young, dumb, and half full of cum, not there half empty go. of cum. <laughs> um, yeah, that it. Nothing. There's nothing there. Like that's that's so much less than the opening verse of a, a beautiful day. Like, uh, there's just so many like mixed metaphors and just like, just it's just a, a ten car like freeway pile pile up of bland imagery. Um, yeah, it it makes me feel it's like embarrassing because yes. he's it's a song it's a song about songs and it's it's saying like this song that I heard was so inspiring to me because of how good it was uh-huh. and then. The, so- the song itself about the song is just so not good. <laughs> this is not the greatest song in the world. This is just a tribute, yeah. basically. Um, yeah, the chorus is, I woke up at the moment when the miracle occurred. Uh, heard a song that made some sense out of the world. Everything I ever lost now has been returned. The most beautiful sound I'd ever heard. I think he might be talking about the song where they go, hey, ho, let's go. Which, to me, makes a lot of sense out of the, wor- the world. Oh, maybe the world should go. 
yeah, yeah. let us the world go hey ho um <laughs> We need some sort of bop, but I can't quite decide on which. Go- oh! oh. <laughs> what you speed of bop should we do? Hmm. Uh, what what kind of war tactics should we apply to our bop? Do you think? Hmm. Uh, uh, God, oh, this verse two is so bad. We got language, so we can't communicate. Oh man, oh man, did you? Did you did you catch what he did there? It was pretty subtle. <laughs> he just flipped you on your on your head. Uh, we got language, so we can't communicate. Whoa! You thought he was going to say the other thing. Uh, religion, so I can love and hate. Music, so I can exaggerate my pain and give it a name. Wow, Bono. Thank you, thank you, Bono. You're you're helping. Yeah, yeah uh, at least in that. In those lyrics, he's he's saying ideas that make sense, or he's like making statements. They're not great, but it's like yeah, they're kind of uh, Alanis Morissette lyrics. Yeah, um, it's tough to write. They track his ideas. Yes, it's tough to write a song about um, the state of the world and have it not just be yeah. bad and vague. Um, I mean that, and that's basically what he's trying to do. Oh, we're talking about the issues, but keeping it vague, vague and ambient. Yes. Um. Oh. <laughs> yeah. There's. I took a sound One feature of this. of this album that is pretty <laughs> hilarious is that it is full of a specific device that you will hear in this upcoming sound sample because the album literally starts with it in a desperate attempt to be relevant from you two. Here we go. Yes, that's right. You heard correctly. The very first thing you hear on this album is the millennial whoop. Uh, (laughs) The barbaric yop of our generation, Cameron. At least it's actually a melody. Yeah, it's it's more Um, than just the millennial whoop, but it definitely starts with the millennial whoop. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think, I mean, just the having a, you know, gang vocals uh, singing an O-O-O-O melody is we're all tired of it still it um, sounds like the background but, music from kickstarter videos honestly yeah <laughs> not your kickstarter video yours, yours is thank you <laughs> that was from our album yeah. so I would, <laughs> but we the, should have had more like, millennial whoops in our old time yeah. <laughs> string band album <laughs> i would love that <laughs> Cumberland gap oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit uh, i should have told you guys to um play that as the song i requested <laughs> just play some some song but just put a bunch of millennial loops in it um they're they're usually they're famously non-melodic millennial whoops yeah. they're like oh, oh 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 it's just like a minor third going up and down and it's not they're not actual melodies and this is actually a line it's just sort of it feels pandering because of when it was written yeah totally um, and because we're in a post-millennial whoop world. Yes. Um, yeah, Wikipedia says that specifically it 
this is a minor third interval, but specifically it uh, alternates between the fifth and the third of the notes in a major scale. Um, yeah. So that's a minor third interval. Um, <laughs> in the rhythm of straight eighth notes and often using the wah and o syllables. So I guess it's this isn't eighth notes, but it's definitely still a millennial loop. Oh, man. Well, uh, I think I had one more thing that I wanted to say about this song, which is there's this moment in the chorus that I was really irritating to me. It's like the tenses are all messed up. I woke up at the moment when the miracle occurred, heard a song that made some sense out of the world. Everything I ever lost has been returned. The most beautiful sound I'd ever heard. Yeah, those kinds of track? those kinds of lyrics are also like big time Christian music energy. Those like grand sweeping pronouncements of uh, renewal or this changes everything. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like you can't read that as having been caused by the song because he keeps because he changes tenses like that. It doesn't scan um, if the song caused what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, what else should we talk about in this album? Um, let's see. Every breaking wave. Let's talk about it. Song two. Okay. Now I'm speaking to answer phone. Like every So to me, this is like a tour de force of the the slick, uh, meaningless poetic bluffs. Like this is just like chef kiss. Like Mwah. like you've elevated this to almost its own art form because yeah, he likes it. They take it's not an extended metaphor because it's not really a metaphor for anything, but it is an extended like uh, grab bag of imagery that he he keeps maintaining um this is written by the edge and bono so uh the edge listed first probably is the principal songwriter um they keep extent like using this imagery but for literally nothing (laughs) like nothing okay opens with every breaking wave on the shore tells the next one there will be one more okay uh, and then every gambler knows that to lose is what you're really there for. Don't know how those are supposed to be connected um, or what they're talking about or if this is, you know, in a, any way relevant to anything else. But the chorus goes, if you go, if you go your way and I go mine, are we so are we so helpless against the tide? Baby, every dog on the street knows that we're in love with defeat. Uh, are we ready to be swept off our feet and stop chasing every breaking wave? And then verse defeats. two. We, we love feet too much. We love feet too much. Uh, <laughs> the edge has a real foot thing. Um, verse two. The, every sailor knows that the sea is a friend made enemy. Every shipwrecked soul knows what it is to live without intimacy. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess. I thought I heard the captain's voice, but it's hard to listen while you preach. The captain's preach uh, like every broken wave on the shore this is as far as i could reach okay i mean these yeah these are just like i mean they're literally just like 
these empty platitudes, but he keeps like yeah, it's like is this together. a breakup song? Yeah, what what is this song about? I think it's about dogs and feet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and dogs licking feet. Have you seen that video of uh, the Edge playing Claire de Lune with his feet? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a callback to our hey. weekly mini show called What's in the Box Weekly, which you can get access to, dear listener, by going to supportthebox.website and kicking us a few bucks every month. It's one of our bonus things. Then you can understand that joke. That tasty, delicious mwah, morsel of a joke. Um, yeah, he just keeps going with this imagery. The sea knows where are the rocks, and drowning is no sin. <laughs> oh all this time i've been i've, I've been, been wondering I've what been drowning and i've been feeling so guilty about it yeah <laughs> man i've been feeling so much shame about my drowning i've been really beating myself I've up about it. so much time repenting <laughs> it almost feels like i should focus on the drowning part rather than the just penance for it but you know <laughs> it, unless the sea is there to tell me that it's not a sin i think i'm just gonna keep doing it uh, at yeah. this point, it's just like another, like, it's just like a, a pattern in my life. <laughs> and I don't, you know. It's just a habit, you know. It's hard yeah. to break a habit, you know. You kind of get addicted to the things that drag you down. Um, the extended metaphor we just did just now is more coherent and has more <laughs> to say than anything in this song. Yeah, absolutely. But here's the, like, the slick part of it. It's gonna look really, like, deep and coherent and cohesive to lots of people, I think. Lots of people are going to be like, well, sure. wow, this is like song, song is about the sea, and this part means this, and this means this. Um, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean any of that. But you can project onto that if you want, um, and that's what U2 is inviting you to do. Like, Project um, the meaning into... Um, Summer, I was fearless. Now I speak into an answer phone. Like every falling leaf on the breeze, winter wouldn't leave it alone, alone. Like you, you get bring B Y O M. Bring your own meaning to this song. Uh, so yeah, this is like masterful. Um, I kind of, I kind of appreciate how uh, perfectly uh, nothing this song is. Did you read the the genius synopsis of this song? <laughs> this song is about long distance relationships and how we are all on our own journeys at the mercy of the world. I don't think it is. I think it's pretty definitively not about the, either of those things. Yeah. They mentioned a phone once. Yeah. 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 Oh, boy. Um, like, there's more about the captain than there is about relationships. I mean, maybe he's in a relationship with the captain. But he doesn't like Hot. the captain preaches. So maybe he's more of a preacher than a captain, you know. Huh. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So. Uh, I guess California, there is no end to love. Right? Should talk about that one? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Parenthetically. Which is Yeah. So that is a, a, a minor third, uh, but it's between La and Do. Okay. It's still... But yeah, it, it is a millennial whoop, yeah. absolutely. I, yeah, I'm, I, just, I I'm just saying the specific type it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we can specifically say that it has to be like the third and fifth of the like scale of the song. 
Um, yeah, I think that's just like kind of the 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 most kind of base cynical version of it. Yeah, but it represents a larger trend. Yeah. Um, whoa. Yep. Um, another another musical moment in the song is you took a, a sound sample of this. Uh, we both went to the same place and uh, thought of the same thing when hearing this. But let's let the listener also experience it. Yep, Bar Bar Barbara Santa Barbara, or sorry, Santa Barbara. Um, Santa, Santa. <laughs> um, yeah, so pretty uh, clear Beach Boys reference. Um, I mean, I guess Beach Boys, California surfing beaches. I guess. Um, I don't know what else that is supposed to add to this song. Yeah. Um, he says in the liner notes, I went on a pilgrimage to find Bob Dylan's house because I gripped his songs tighter than the handle of any suitcase. I also wanted what? to see Brian Wilson's house. It was supposed to have a sand pit with a piano in it. And I love the beach boys. I wanted to go ha- find where the Beach Boys hung out with Charles Manson and just sort of like soak in that whole vibe. <laughs> I didn't know that they hung out with Charles Manson. Uh-huh. Maybe not all of them, wow. but at least two of them, I think. Um, yeah. It's a weird, weird story. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, this is just like another... Uh, it's. I mean, it's getting... <laughs> I was like exultant over the last one, but it's like getting so tiresome already. <laughs> it's just a, a song of nothing. Um, I, I there was one interview where Bono was like, or maybe Wikipedia was describing the song as like how you two went to California and how different it seemed from Dublin or New York where they had right. spent time before. And it's like, I did you just did, did it take you to the 2010s to go to Los Angeles and hang out and. <laughs> california um i guess it's supposed to be a song of innocence it's like them thinking about their childhoods or whatever or their uh, youth i guess i don't know it's a stretch they had a very famous album called the joshua tree which is i mean not that far from la i mean it's not like on the beach but it's what within like two hours of it i don't know um i was recovering from the highest high I'd ever been last time I went to Joshua Tree and I don't really remember that day very much um, I accidentally ate three entire cookies um, which had 10 no. milligrams of THC each oh no yep. uh, I think I actually I think I might have told that story on the uh, the following episode because uh, I recorded one live uh, shortly before or maybe shortly after getting extremely high this sounds familiar. Yeah. We were covering an ICP album, I think. Anyway. Um, yeah. He just, and he just kind of like, he has a bunch of like California imagery and stuff and business. And, but then he kind of lazily like tax in, tax on this like attempt to have some sort of emotional content, which is pretty exemplified, I think, by the title where he's like, California. And then parenthetically, uh, there is no end to love. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that reminds me of uh, the sequel to Phantom of the Opera. I think it's called Love Never Dies, uh, which was much maligned and not a success, just like U2's uh, Spider-Man musical. 
Oh, yeah, which we covered on this very show. Did we? Yeah. Did we listen to it? <laughs> Do you not remember that? We did Turn Off the Dark? What? I think it was a palate cleanser. Really? Yeah, we did a whole episode on it. Yeah. I have no memory of any of that. <laughs> it was just right after Joshua Tree. <laughs> uh, maybe. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. That's kind of blowing my mind. Yeah, this is the second U2, or at least Bono and Edge, the wow. Edge album that we've covered. Yeah, okay. Uh, we've done 216 the, episodes, Cam. We it's, didn't even, it's a lot. We didn't even uh, celebrate our anniversary. <laughs> uh, the the next song, I don't think we need to talk about it other than to say like it's called Song for Someone, and I think it's the ultimate example of just you byom um yeah either there's this line you let me into a conversation a conversation only we could make <laughs> and i feel like that's so pandering because it's like you just tell us what it was about and that would be an interesting content for a song but instead you want to give the the listener this feeling of oh yeah like exclusive sort of intimacy and connection that can't even that that you can't even really understand it's just between two people Mm -hmm. it's just invoking that idea without showing it and uh it just feels really pandering to me this is supposedly Uh, a song just written about how he met his wife supposedly or that's how for someone intended it (laughs) but again like they are they're so allergic to meaning (laughs) in any form they can't even title it something more specific than song for someone it's like i mean it's the 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 song titling equivalent of a shrug just like eh. (laughs) and and this is uh i mean every wife longs to hear this from her husband this uh just gemstone of a line this anniversary gift of poetry wrapped up in a beautiful bow you got a foot fate sorry let me take that again this has to be perfect (laughs) for how much meaning and heart and feeling and love this line has packed into it you got a face not spoiled by beauty oh my god it's like one of shakespeare's sonnet yeah that's that is such a like something about that feels so contemporary christian to me yeah it does doesn't just this idea (laughs) This idea of like, I really don't uh, have any sexual urges. <laughs> <laughs> I I would know because of how much I love you and how utterly unattracted to you I am. <laughs> <laughs> Your face specifically. <laughs> uh, dear wife, you're kind of a butterface. Love ya. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my God. Yeah. Um, that reminds me a lot of uh, how the weird way that like Christian music and Christian rhetoric t- uses the phrase the world um, or like yes. worldly. Uh, yeah, it's very, very weird. It reminds me of the way that people talk about uh, the, the way that people invoke nature mm-hmm. kind of. It's just like we're we're in nature. <laughs> we're part of nature. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> like, we're that's not me. Sep- yeah. I'm nature. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the world. <laughs> uh, the the next the next song is a song about his mom who died, and I think that this song isn't 
very good. Nope. I think that the train song is better that we listened to last it's week. It's so much better, Cameron. Yeah, we, which is saying something because it's not great. It's not the Drops of Jupiter yeah. song. Um, yeah. Let's listen to a sound sample so we can do a direct okay. compare. Something in your eyes what? took a thousand years to get here. Something in your eyes took a thousand years, a thousand years. Like I'm someone that you might know. Yeah. This is your mom. This is such a weird song. Um, I mean, at least Train crafted like, I mean, it had a lot of like, it was catchy. It had like pop craft behind it. It There's um, fun st- images. There's fun images. Cosmic adventure. There's a deep fried chicken. Um, oh, yeah. There's weird little moments like that. Uh, Don't forget love and pride. Love and pride. Um <laughs> And this this song like similarly reaches for like cosmic imagery. Uh, he has this um, brilliant metaphor that he just came up with, where um, this person or object or concept he's relating to is kind of like a dying star, and the light is still reaching him even though the the star has gone out. You know, and I think that's I mean that's such a fresh and original and new image that uh-huh. it just kind of bowled me over a little bit. You know. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, something in your eyes took a that th- he just keeps saying weird things to his mom something in your eyes took a thousand years to get here what uh, what happened in the year 1022 AD uh, and where was your mom back then dude come on it almost feels like it's like like a weird racial thing it's like <laughs> oh yeah the like mutation that made blue eyes or something <laughs> red <laughs> it's hair perfect developed in ireland in the year 80 yeah. 1022 uh god uh the development of western civilization uh took yeah. a thousand years again um love that as a dog whistle by the way uh and then then the chorus is Hold me close. Hold me close and don't let go. Don't let me go. Sorry. Uh, and. <sighs> Again, bossy. Yeah. He's a bossy bitch. He's a bossy bottom. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, it's just, I don't know. To make that line work, you have to really lean into like the devastation and like the the like reversion to childhood and just like anguish and he doesn't he i mean the music kind of like drops out and he says like hold me close but he's like his vocal delivery is just like so overly dramatic and like attempting to soar all the time that that's the only thing he can portray as a vocalist anymore um you know like that line might have been able to work if this song sounded like something off of uh carrie and lowell the sufjan stevens album which is deeply personal and yeah. full of songs about his mom and contains a lot of lines like this, like hold me close, hold me close and don't let me go. But Sufjan is like clearly like losing his mind and having a complete emotional breakdown and like on the verge of tears in every single song. And uh, Bono's not. This kind of reminds me of, um, or it makes me think about better songs like the yeah. song broom people from the mountain goats. 
there's I don't yeah. I don't think this is necessarily a parental relationship, but it is like an intimate uh, f- physical comforting relationship. Um, here's some lyrics. Um, friends who don't have a clue, well-meaning teachers, but down in your arms, in your arms, I am a wild creature. Mm-hmm. That's like a beautiful lyric. Yeah. And then this one, I write down good reasons to freeze to death in my spiral ring notebook. Yeah. But in the tress- in the long tresses of your hair, I am a babbling brook. You know, they're essentially saying the same, well, the same basic like physical connection right. thing. But they're putting it in a context. Um, they're talking about, you know, friends who don't have a clue and well-meaning teachers. You know, these people who are trying to give you what you need, but they don't have it. And you have it. Um, that's giving the context for the physical intimacy that's really important. And then um, this juxtaposition of... Um, freezing to death wanting to freeze to death and then feeling like alive and Mm -hmm. and moving like a babbling brook yeah Uh, yeah it's just but but it's about the same kind of physical connection right and it's man he really like nails these they're kind of non sequitur imagery um in the long tresses of your hair i am a babbling brook like on it on its own is like what and like that you know, there's not really much to attach to, but like you said, it contrasts so nicely with like freezing to death, um, yeah. and how like brooks can freeze over, and uh, you know when they thaw, they're babbling again, um, and also just like yeah. I don't know, uh, there's like so so many connections there with like somebody crying, like babbling, or like the 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 wetness of the brook, or like the tears, uh, like babbling is like such a evocative word there. Like there's there's a lot going on. Um, in what could be like kind of a non sequitur image, uh, man, there's such richness to that song. I, I like that one a lot. Broom people. It's one of the best. Yeah. There's a lot of good, uh, songs on the sunset tree. And, uh, what's how the many that, more has, songs the, of innocence songs? Oh yeah. Uh, I want to talk about mountain goats. Actually more. is up the wolves. Um, I th- it's on from sunset. I always True. get, I always get, it is, it is that one. Yeah. Um, I always get Cause that, there's uh, the raised by wolves song in this song. And it made me re- remember uh, up, up the wolves and how much better that song is yeah. than you than two's raised by wolves. Yeah. I always get the sunset tree and we shall all be healed. Um, kind of, they kind of stick together in my mind cause they came out one after the other and, uh, they kind of go together in a certain way and they're both very good. Um, yeah, yeah. Should we just, Oh, we have to talk about Volcano. We can't skip right to Raised by Woofs. Okay. Fine. Volcano, <laughs> here we go. I swear like every album they have they're like they say to themselves all right we have to have a song that sounds like vertigo for some reason we just yeah. gotta <laughs> try to make a song sound like that for some reason like uh and this is their vertigo um and uh this is another like very good example of extended imagery that means i mean this has a bit more meaning to it than the ocean one uh every breaking wave 
because um, it, it actually connects the volcano to emotion. It's not good, yeah. and it's not like well written. No. It's not a great metaphor, but at least it like is a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, there's ways to to use the same metaphor better. Yeah, for sure. Like the whole movie Moana <laughs> is does a better job. Yes, not a great job in my opinion, but it's better. Yeah. I didn't. Like or the actual much. myth that it comes from. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some very dumb lines in the song. Uh been out in the wild been out in the night been out of your mind do you live here or is this a vacation okay oh volcano you don't want to you don't want to know volcano something in you wants to blow that sounds like sexual repression to me cameron uh (laughs) volcano you don't want to you don't want to know um (laughs) there's a really funny genius annotation on the pre-chorus can i read it please uh (laughs) jwg says uh uh about the one that you just read, the mm-hmm. been out in the wild, etc. Bono and U2 itself wears many hats. It's <laughs> 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 a great start. Uh, he's a rock star, a husband and father and an activist. And all of those things are uh, capitalized. <laughs> uh, this lyric could question which one really defines him. Which one will he settle with? It absolutely does not. There's been a <laughs> criticism that you two are now a part-time band and that Bono in particular has left his other what? work, has let his other work get in front of his role as a musician. What? The wildlife in this section could be a reference to the rock star life and questioning whether Bono is just living it part-time, a vacation, or if it's st- it really still his main identity. Wow. What a beautiful example of BYOM. <laughs> You did it. (laughs) (laughs) He read a whole story about Bono's many hats. (laughs) Um, I think I read a picture book about that once. That Bono had that like big stack of hats that was like twenty feet tall. (laughs) You, (laughs) you give me back my hats. I love that book. (laughs) What a good book. Um, Better than this song. Um, uh, You were alone, and now you're not alone. You are alone. You are rock and roll. You and I are rock and roll. You are rock and roll. You and I are rock and roll. It's we're like, definitely rock and roll. We're right? definitely we're still rock and roll. Rock and roll. Right? <laughs> it's like the hop on pop of uh, rock lyrics. <laughs> oh boy. C uh, spot run. You were you were alone, and now you're not alone. C spot run. Hop on pop. Um, yeah. Uh, so you wanted to talk about raised by wolves. Yeah, raised by wolves. Here we go. I don't believe anymore. I don't believe anymore. Raised by wolves. Stronger than fear. Raised by wolves. We were raised by wolves. Musically, this song sounds like they're trying to write it for like a rock musical <laughs> like yeah spider-man or they're like trying to imitate rent or something i don't know sure yeah yeah i think his voice is actually kind of arresting in that chorus i don't care for the lyrics i like how processed I think it, it is yeah yeah that adds um a lot to it. so this song's about the troubles 
Yeah. Incidentally, the song titled The Troubles is not about the Troubles, but this song... Not about the Troubles. ...is about this the Troubles. Is. <laughs> Which is such a weird thing to... Okay. I have this theory of, like, centrist um, aesthetics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, here it comes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if I've said this on the show before, but um, the prime example to me of it was um, the day after Alex Trebek died the New York times published an article with the title. Oh, captain, my jeopardy captain. <laughs> and I was like, this is like, this is like exemplifies this like weird thing. I see sometimes that I think I'm good. I've, I've titled centrist aesthetics, which just involves like just grabbing stuff, phrases that you hear and just kind of like using them regardless of, their original meaning or intent or whether it makes any goddamn sense to use them uh or whether it like is completely aesthetically mangled the way you're using it (laughs) my jeopardy captain what the fuck dude (laughs) um so that's that's how i feel about the like song title like the troubles and it's not about the troubles but the song that has a different title is called the troubles like you could just call the song that's called the trouble you could call it something different that doesn't make us think about the troubles right you know that right uh anyway so uh i don't know enough about irish history uh to know about to really speak on the troubles um although i will say that behind the bastards uh recently did a three-part series on um i think they titled it that time uh that england did a genocide or something you have to be more um, to specific. ireland oh yeah to okay. ireland <laughs> also you have to be more specific uh, than that because they did many of those yeah. <laughs> uh, uh but it, it's basically this this series about how the um what people refer to as the potato famine um is deliberately misleading because there was enough food on that island mm-hmm. to feed everyone Absolutely. it's just that the land had been taken and was being owned by foreign landlords and they had to export most of the food that they were able to grow even uh yeah they they were able to grow a lot of food during that time there's plenty of food but they had to give it all give it all away to pay rent Mm -hmm. um and the there was enough food the potato there was a potato blight and they couldn't the potatoes were, were what they were eating for them the saving for themselves right and um that is why so many people starve and, and basically uh the you know evictions um from people not being able to pay rent with the food that they grew um caused you know a ridiculous amount of people to uh die of exposure or to uh need to flee the country and um there are yeah accounts of you know british politicians at the time being like uh yeah you know we this is good for us <laughs> like <laughs> we don't like the irish and we want there to be less of them and um yep. you know um a lot of like eugenic eugenics kind of like we can't we can't help them or else there will be even more people that will be starving because they're and then there's a lot of like criticism of like yeah the irish are lazy and that's <laughs> Have you seen the way they plant their potatoes? You know, like all of this like horrible stuff to justify a uh, a genocide. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it was like before the um, 
the famine, mm-hmm. um, which was a political, a politically induced famine. Um, uh, there were nine million people on the island, uh, and then I think I can't remember the exact. Like, there's estimates of like maybe maybe like two million people dying. Um, yeah. And a bunch also uh, left. So, like, and then Ireland, like two or three million more people left. Ireland still hasn't recovered population wise. Yeah, it's it's one of the most devastating uh, things that I've ever heard of, and yeah. it it to me it makes <laughs> it makes songs like that that feel like they're centrist. Um, uh, when they're talking about just like all oh, all the violence is crazy, and it's like if you, all you can talk about are like specific events mm-hmm. and not systems of power, um, that's a problem, and that means then you're part of the problem. Yeah, um, and not not to mention like basically everyone says the violence is good sometimes, um, so it's not <laughs> sure. it's not it's not like. It's it's a very weird stance to be like, whoa, this violence is crazy. This is just like so nuts. Yeah. Um, because the same people saying that, you know, will often approve of uh, like stand your ground laws or whatever the fuck. Um, sure. Yeah. So I mean, what? Yep. To be fair, the the events. Well, the second verse is a wild card in the song, but the events talked about in the song, the main event are um, uh, the. Where, which bombings are these called? Um, I think they're called the Troubles. They're right. The, well, the tr- I thought the Troubles was like a, whole, a a period of time. Right. Like I think this is about some specific bombings that oh, happened. Specific, but they oh, they were by Protestants. Uh, so it's uh, 1974. A series of coordinated car bombings took place in Dublin and Monaghan, Ireland. 26 people were killed in Dublin and seven in Monaghan. The bombings were perpetrated by the Ulster Volunteer Force. Which are like um, they're, they're Protestants, and they were like targeting uh, Catholic uh, civilians. Cool, um, that's great. So, like, it's not like he's like saying like you know the violence has to stop. He is. It is directed at a specific, but but the, that's not in the text of the song, right? Either. Um, and then the really weird part happens in the second verse. Uh, Face down on a pillow of shame, there's some girls with a needle trying to spell my name. My body's not a canvas. My body's now a toilet wall. And apparently, um, a friend of the band, Andy Rowan, um, like a bunch of people, like a bunch of, a pack of girls. um, Weird phrase. Holds him down and tries to write, like give him an impromptu tattoo and write their names on him. With a hypodermic Um, needle full of ink. Um, yeah, which sounds like a real thing that probably definitely happened. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's like, why the fuck is this in this song? <laughs> yep, yeah, exactly. This is um, this is terrible. Like, I mean, this story is like w- strange and shocking. But it's like, why would you put this story of you know, it's a traumatic. If this happened, that's a very traumatic thing. But why would you put it in the context of this like greater political thing? Like, I don't understand. It seems demeaning to both stories honestly right it's it's not in the song textually at all but um i was reading somewhere i think on wikipedia that this guy this uh was it andy andy rowan um supposedly got addicted to heroin 
after being in these bombings. Um, okay. Or, like, experiencing them. Like, not having been bombed himself, but, like, seeing them happen or being near them or something. And so he, but like, turned to heroin to cope. Yeah, but also just, like, not even... It doesn't even have the story. It just has some, like, imagery from right that story and they don't tell you that it's connected um yeah uh yeah we were raised by wolves that's you could make that line work in this song i think but you have to give us more who are the wolves are you talking about the irish people that raised you raised by wolves stronger than fear so is this like sort of an anthem for the Irish Republicans who were like fighting against um, assholes like the uh, Ulster Volunteer Force? Um, it sort of feels like it's like if we we if we give in, the terrorists win. It's like Boston's that strong. kind of yeah yeah like that kind of sentiment. Yeah, that's kind of what it sees seems like. Um, man, the uh, the British really putting in a strong uh showing for uh worst historical villains of the last couple millennia yeah they're really going for it you know the trophy they're bad they're they're the evil empire (laughs) although they did stop doing stop doing slavery before we did in the in the main chattel way right i Um, i mean i think there are asterisks from what i understand there's always asterisks there's asterisks for us i mean yeah we haven't even ended it so yeah it's still happening yeah um like legally (laughs) and uh you know syntax semantically and syntactically still happening um so can we talk about the song up the wolves by mountain goats yeah uh Uh, this song uh uses a raised by wolves and specifically a you know a romulus and remus kind of imagery song should we listen and, to it? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I'll skip for it. That's your oh, I like that line. Okay, let's go back. There'll always be a few things, maybe several things, that you're gonna find really difficult to forgive. Oh, it has to get to the chorus, though. It doesn't get to the chorus later. I'm gonna skip for it a little bit. What a great way to use that imagery. Not only connecting it directly back to the story of Romulus and Remus, which is, I think, the touchstone for the phrase raised by wolves, or, yes, you know, is where it came from, but also to, like, use it in that way and be like, there's going to be a party when the wolf comes home. Yeah, it's threatening. Yeah. Um, and it does not feel centrist at all. And it's not about not being afraid. It's about being violent and destructive mm-hmm. uh and in in the in a way that an animal is and uh this like second half of the song um 
<laughs> is mm-hmm. is so satisfying. Uh, I'm going to get myself in fighting trim, scope out every angle of unfair advantage. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bribe the officials. I'm going to kill all the judges. It's mm-hmm. going to take you people years to recover from all the damage. Mm-hmm. And the way that he sings you people is the most venomous yep. and somehow justified use of the term you people that I've ever yeah. heard. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you know who he's talking about, yep. at, like in your heart, you know, yeah. and then uh, he sings that chorus again. And yeah, I, I feel like even though that song's not about the troubles or about, you know, this, this topic and it's, it's not about a specific story. It is channeling, channeling a, a specific energy that is so um cathartic to listen to Mm -hmm. um and just the even though it doesn't have a direction that it's like it doesn't have a purpose for channeling it it's just like hey sometimes you have to be like a a nasty little like uh shitty scrawny dangerous animal and it's like just such a useful song in in that regard and it and it doesn't even have any it's not even trying to make a political statement but it it feels so powerful yeah and and this song is just you're not there's nothing in here about being raised by wolves you're describing traumatic events Mm -hmm. and then you're saying you're just stating well we're raised by wolves and we're not wolves and we're not afraid it's like Maybe t- tell us about, like, I don't know, there's stuff in Irish culture about, like, in this... There's in this, uh, mythology involving uh, wolves, I think, pretty sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's this part in Behind the Bastards in, in this uh, three-part series where they're talking about the kind of the, the fighting culture. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, like, uh, they're... The, the the way that like farming basically there was no incentive to like um, improve the land because no one owned the land mm-hmm. and there was all these there, there kind of rose up this like kind of itinerant masculinity there was this like restless violent bitter masculinity in Ireland mm-hmm. and basically just like huge groups of men would like get together and just beat each other to death. Um, and it was just like something that they did. And it's like, kind of like something. tragic and sad, but it's, but it's also just kind of like incredible. And, and it's like a, it, it's almost like this, like, yeah, we're getting ready to do something. We're going to create a culture to combat this thing that is happening to us that is going to pay out like a slot machine later and is mm-hmm. going to be um, uh, absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And I I think that that's like a, a fr- that's a, a fraught history, but it is very powerful. And, the, you know, that's like a, this all could have been about that, you know? But there's there's nothing about dignity and there's nothing about survival for, for survival's sake in this song mm-hmm. it's about it's it feels like respectability politics yeah it does in a centrist you know kind centrist of way aesthetics. and uh, yeah I, yeah yeah man nobody and does I, I don't know i feel weird saying this because it's like i'm i'm not irish i mean the extent to which i'm irish is negligible right. um and uh 
And this is an Irish person talking about Ireland, but it feels so limp to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, nobody does uh, catharsis through viciousness quite like John Darnell <clears throat> of the Mountain Goats. Yeah. One of my favorite moments is in the song, the best ever death metal band out of Denton, uh, yeah. which in which um, John Darnell says with the most hatred possible, hail Satan. And it's like an incredible yeah. moment of catharsis because <laughs> it's just like it's like a middle finger raised up to respectability politics or like yeah. people who spit on your dreams. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's a, that's such a great song. I love it. Um, oh, speaking of centrist uh, approaches and aesthetics, do you want to talk about Sleep Like a Baby tonight? Sure. It also features some great vocal work from Bono. <laughs> you So this is actually a really interesting, I think, counterpoint to Up the Wolves um, because, you know, the song we were just talking about from the Mountain Goats, Up the Wolves gets so much mileage out of um, sounding like an inspir- like a positive, like upbeat, inspirational song. Like the, the yeah. first verse ends with, there's going to come a day when you feel better. You'll rise up free and easy on that day and float from branch to branch lighter than the air. Just when that day is coming, who can say, who can say? It feels like this inspirational, like, yeah, you're going to get through this and you're going to be like a yeah. bird and you're just going to be free you're and easy. You're going to get through it. Yeah. By violence. <laughs> through violence. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes you just got to throw a brick at a cop I just, I mean, uh, or kill all the judges. Um, uh, but, and this song sort of attempts to do a similar thing. So I think, as far as I know, Bono is Catholic? Question mark. I know he's hung out with the Pope and given the Pope his sunglasses. Um, I thought he gave Dalai Lama his sunglasses. Did he just give sunglasses out Cameron, to important figures. Bono gets around like uh, until you've had your sunglasses cherry popped. Have you? Have you? Can you really say you're a public figure? Um. Anyway, uh, so the so this is a, a Bono. I think is Catholic or was raised Catholic or something. And this is a song about pedophile priests. Um, It begins, Morning, your toast, your tea and sugar. Read about the politician's lover. Go through the day like knife through butter. Why don't you... You dress in the colors of forgiveness. Your eyes as red as Christmas. Purple robes are folded on the kitchen chair. Pretty innocuous. This is the the verse I was talking about. Yeah. It's it's like pretty well written. Uh, It has lots of specifics. Knife through butter is a cliche that's, you know, not amazing, but um yeah. It's it's like pretty good. It like places it in one specific person in a specific setting at a specific time. I um, think go through the day like knife through butter. I've never heard that that simile applied to that idea, and I think that's kind of interesting. Okay. I can see that. I think again. that's a good use of knife through yeah. butter. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Especially um, in the context of the song. Mm-hmm. It's just like talking about ease. Right. 
Yeah. And like you're going to sleep like so a easy. baby is where is where it goes. And yeah. I think it's connected there. Right. The chorus is you're going to sleep like a baby tonight. In your dreams everything is all right. Tomorrow dawns like someone else's suicide. You're going to sleep like a baby tonight. That is very powerful um phrasing it that way because everything else like seems pretty innocuous and then to phrase it as someone else's suicide is like really hard it really hits home how disconnected this person is and how much it like doesn't concern them um which of course like sleep like a baby does but that's a cliche and it doesn't land quite as much as just being like yeah there's gonna be someone else with a suicide right. I'm going to be dawning and going through the day like a knife through butter um, so this is like lyrically I think pretty effective some not all the song is this effective um, we'll get to it but I think it's also just really hampered by Bono's delivery I've mentioned it before mm. but I I think he just like can't express anything through singing other than like this kind of like inspirational like I'm floating feeling or like I will overcome or like, Oh, I feel so like full of like uh, inspiration now. Um, motiv- it's like motivational singing basically. Um, Young, dumb and full of inspiration. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, like John Darnielle is like not, you know, of the mountain goats. Uh, I keep using it interchangeably because John Darnielle basically is the Mountain Goats, um, or at I least his, was. I think his name is pronounced Darnell. Darnell. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. If you well, listen to, I only listen to the Mountain Goats. Uh, they interview John Darnell, and I think that's how they pronounce it. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to give you a couple clean takes, and you can just go back and edit it in. <laughs> okay, uh, sure. I'll go ahead and do that. <laughs> Darnell. No problem. Darnell. 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 Okay. You can go ahead and use those um, and cut this all out, obviously. Um, yeah. Cool. Happy happy to. <laughs> you aren't doing anything, right? Um, yeah. So, John. <laughs> Let me just make a note. <laughs> um, John Darnielle gets, he's not an amazing singer, but he gets so much mileage out of having a very expressive voice that is very good at conveying emotion and feels like very authentic emotion. Uh, And like Bono, I think could have really like nailed that line. Tomorrow dawns like someone else's suicide, but he's just kind of like dreamily like blah, 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 you know, he kind of squeezes it in rhythmically too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it kind of, uh, I don't know. Like this could have been like, I don't know, a really unsettling song, but you two can't be unsettling because they're all about, you two is all about settling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, snap. Um, yeah. Uh, and then (laughs) there's like a genius annotation on the lyrics, sleep like a baby tonight (laughs) and poo poo man one, (laughs) uh, genius user a year ago wrote he is saying he will sleep like a baby tonight and then there's a picture of a baby smiling <laughs> while sleeping <laughs> that's very good shit can i pyong this i'm upvoting it <laughs> yeah i'm pyonging it oh shit. make sure to follow us pyong everyone go follow poo poo man one <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so uh, that's a hilarious photo of a baby also, by the way. <laughs> it's got like, he's, it literally has like a squiggle line for a mouth. Like it, it goes yeah. like up and then down and then up and then down and then up again. Um, it's hilarious. Um, Baby's having milk dreams. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> thing, thinking about them mommy milkers. Um, yeah, speaking of dreams, it's a dirty business dreaming where there is silence and not screaming. Uh, okay where there's no daylight there's no healing okay i think you're kind of losing the plot there bono what happened to the specifics from verse one this is turned discursive yeah and then verse three we get this uh lovely singing from bono here Yep. He obviously can't do that, what he's doing. (laughs) He just, yeah, he, you can hear him completely run out of gas and like his voice like disappears on a couple of those words, basically. He kind of like croaks it out. Um, It's amazing to me that. I mean, I mean, I feel like I'm being like shitty and critical, but like it's kind of amazing that that vocal performance made it onto uh, an album from the biggest band in the world, quote unquote, that was then released to 81 million people for free by a corporation, uh, non-consensually. Like it must have cost so much money to make this album, and that's the vocal performance that they release it with. Really? Like, I mean. I guess that means that's the best one they could that he could do. But I mean, at that point, just hire like a Bono sound alike, maybe. Um, you know, because yeah, it's like also in he he thought that the lyrics were just like so important. He's just like, I gotta think outside the box. I got I gotta yeah. do something extra to oh, convey extra. the idea that. When the church is where the war is, can you even imagine? That, oh like, my God, Cameron. <laughs> Holy shit. The church being Blue like Lord. a toxic, violent place. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope is where the door is. Does that, does, is he saying like, don't let the door hit you on the way out? Is he saying like, everyone leave the church? I don't think he's probably saying I think that. It's saying, I think it's saying that. Yeah, really? I think it's saying, you think so? yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, it's it, there's a quote from Bono. Hope is where the door is, where a child can find an exit out of the situation. Ah. Hmm. So uh, yeah, leave the church. You heard it here, Bono, anti Christian. Yeah. How's that for CCM? Um, <laughs> the last line is so weird and dumb, though. Hope, hope is where the door is. When the church is where the war is, where no one can feel no one else's pain. Uh, hmm. This is a little double negative. Yep. Um, yeah, man, he's still, for no he's, purpose. He still can't like leave behind the Catholicness of this stuff, though. In the last chorus, he says, <clears throat> "Well, I don't know, because this is phrased. It's unclear what he's do, trying to do in this chorus. You're gonna sleep like a baby tonight. In your dreams, everything is all right. 
Tomorrow dawns like a suicide, but you're going to sleep like a baby tonight. Sleep like a baby tonight. Like a bird, your dreams take flight. Like St. Francis covered in light, you're going to sleep like a baby tonight. Is that imagery meant to condemn this person still? Or right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm honestly just sort of tired of, of like Catholic mystic inner, like imagery. Me too. Um, I got tired of it. I don't know. Just <laughs> when when some of our mutual friends started converting to Catholicism because yeah. it was a, brush, a breath of fresh air. <laughs> yeah. A, a breath, you know, Catholicism, famously a breath of fresh air in the year, what, yeah. 2010, 2011, 2012? Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there was nothing problematic or troubling that had come out about the Catholic Church in the previous 10 years or so. Um, it was squeaky clean, and it seemed like a bright, fresh new future for some fresh young minds at, uh, from George Fox yeah. University, a great place to grow. Uh yeah, uh, never understand that. Shout out. Shout out. Hey, <laughs> if anyone's listening, you know who you are. Yeah. Um, this song, <laughs> I took a sound sample from this song that's titled Guitar Solo? Question mark. <laughs> so that's what this is. Um, I think the edge was just like kind of like noodling around in the studio and they're like, okay, we recorded that as a solo. And he's like, what? (laughs) Uh, I, I kind of, I kind of think he's like one of these like guitar guys who's more interested in pedals and in tone than in actual like melody writing. Yeah. And, and I really hate that. I mean, I think that tone is cool. Yeah. But play a cool melody with it. Right. Hot take. I like the Edge's guitar noises. They add a lot to this album. Sure. Um, I don't think Absolutely. I've highlighted them in any of the sound samples, but uh, they're often like very textural or provide like um, some harshness into the song or something that sounds almost like weirdly mechanical or ambient. I mean, he's famous for like ambient guitar stuff. Um, so I've, I've really liked, and I noticed them quite a bit like, oh yeah, the Edge is like doing some cool shit here he's never playing anything that's like virtuosic or um, like really drawing attention to itself or even like very melodic. A lot of the time it's just like kind of fills and stuff, um, which is fine. And I think it sounds great. It just, when you like clear the stage and shine the spotlight and like, okay, now go off the edge. And he's, he plays, (laughs) he plays uh, something like, pretty uh basic three times in a row and then just goes he just kind of like noodles some stuff on the major scale and he's like okay and now i'm done that was my solo yeah, thanks everybody you don't, you don't have to do something complicated for it to be interesting or arresting right. i mean just look at i mean down don't 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 i can't i sang too low yeah. um but seven nation army <laughs> yeah. like that's a very simple melody but it's incredible. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's so catchy. And they do it for the basically the entire song. And it, I think it never gets old. And uh, 
you don't have to have a hard melody or virtuosic melody or right. like a clever melody totally. it, to have something interesting but it's kind of hard to say why what makes a melody catch catchy but it's like mm-hmm. i i know i just sang it but i've already forgotten it yeah. the one that the edge just played so it could have been maybe like okay as like the opening to a solo but to just like keep playing that three times the same way is super monotonous and it does not hold up to playing it three times in a row and then yeah. it just basically follows it up with uh the like guitar equivalent of uh i can't think of uh analogy but like just a bunch of fluff it's just like and then bleh, you know so there so there <laughs> Um, yeah, it's like the guitar going like kind of trailing off and just kind of like you, you know you're still kind of like saying words, but like you're kind of trailing off. Like, no one really knows where. To, whatever. It's kind of like all that. right. Let's uh, let's be done. <laughs> let's be done. Yeah. Um, we never got to the song "The Troubles," which is not about the troubles, um, but that's okay. That's the one that features Likely, the Swedish singer, um, and it's I mean another song of nonsense. So we're skipping yep. it. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, this has been Think Outside the Box Set. You can visit us online at boxset.website. Email us at email at boxset.website. Engage with our brand on the Discord. The link will be in the show notes. Um, and there will be a lot of uh, photo, weird photos of Bono as uh, Jeff Goldblum in the fly um, <laughs> with weird goggles and shit. Uh, so check that out. Um, you can support us in a couple important ways. Write us those reviews on Apple Podcasts. Um, I used to say iTunes, but iTunes no longer. RIP in peace. Um, jam those stars. Type up those words. Uh, and if you want to support us more directly, you can go to our Patreon to support the box at website. I, I think I've slurred that both times I've said it uh, in this episode. Support.boxset.website. Support.boxset.website. Um, or, I mean, you could search Patreon for us i guess i suppose if you want that is another way it's just a redirect from support.boxset.website um the other thing you should do is you should listen to cameron's other podcast it's called get up in the cool ah i need to be great if you check that out yeah i need to get caught up i mean i keep i i I keep downloading them so you keep getting the impressions thank Uh, you (laughs) sell that to the sell me to the advertisers uh but oftentimes for podcasts i like to let a little backlog build up and then just like binge a bunch of them at once so i need to get into binge mode with uh, getting yeah. up in your cool <laughs> binge that please cool. do <laughs> um quick quick shout out to anyone in the pacific northwest oh, specifically yeah, yeah. oregon and washington state yes. um we're going on tour next week they could drive down uh, from bc starting, yeah <laughs> someday we'll make it up to bc um but uh yeah between anywhere between you know eugene oregon and bellingham washington we're playing a bunch of shows so uh come see us check out tall poppy string com slash shows and uh rsvp if it's a you know a house show where you have to rsvp in order to get the address because uh, yeah. we're playing folk music which means that some of it's going to be in houses and those yes. will be somehow more lucrative than ven- actual venue shows for us that's for the most part hilarious. Uh, that's so you heard how it, it works <laughs> you heard it here first cameron dewitt's going to be playing house music and some like basement somewhere or something is. i don't think i, I wasn't <laughs> listening uh <laughs> so check that out uh 
Also, um, coming up later in August, we're doing a Colorado tour. So if you're in Colorado, um, stay tuned. That's cool. I've never been to Colorado. Me neither. I've only been to the Denver airport. Okay. Which is fine. (laughs) Sounds great. Sounds like you'll love it. All right. Well, until next week, when we come back with something, we haven't decided what it is yet, but we have some interesting possibilities. I've been Nathan Hunt, and I'm half empty of cum. (laughs) And I've been Cameron DeWitt, and I've had my sunglasses cherry popped. (laughs) So I'm a public figure. (laughs) More like pubic figure. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to be seen. It's nice to be known. (laughs)